Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to a very special episode of the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. I am Jason Leroy. My name is Rebecca Olarte, and today's special movie is The Meddler, um, which is the pick of the week, and Jason was able to do an interview with the director of the movie, Lorene Scafaria, and the lead, Susan Sarandon. After the death of her husband, a woman moves from New Jersey to Los Angeles to be closer to her daughter. Uh, let's take a listen to the trailer. Laura? 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 You're not bringing the mail? <laughs> Jesus. Mom, you have to ring the doorbell. But I've got the key. How do you feel since your husband died? There are a lot of hours in the day, and so sometimes I call Lori. I brought you bagels. You should have called. I did, but I didn't answer. You let Daddy's bonsai die. You can't just leave someone with bonsai and orchid. You let the orchid die too? I think we should get you a hobby. Or maybe you could be my hobby. That sounds adorable. It is. It is. It's such a it's such a wonderful uh, it's just a wonderful comedy. It's a wonderful character piece. It's a wonderful comedy. I had the huge pleasure and thrill of attending the world premiere of this movie at Toronto last uh, September. And uh, and you know, I was rooting for it. Just because Lorene, uh, Lorene and I had met a few years prior when I interviewed her for her directorial debut, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. And, uh, and we'd hit off and we stayed in touch. And so I was certainly rooting for the movie to be good just because, you know, I want her to make a movie that's fantastic. And, and it is. And it was such a, it was, it was like, oh, good. Like, the movie that my friend made is actually, like, fantastic. It's always nice. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was so good. Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a hugely personal movie uh, for Lorene. It's based on, on her real life story with her mother. Mm. Uh, her, her father did pass away, and her mother did move from New Jersey to Los Angeles to be closer to Lorene. And, uh, and it didn't, you know, it was bumpy. It was a bumpy road mm-hmm. uh, at first. And apparently the genesis of this of this movie, The Meddler, actually came when Lorene was making her first film and her mother, Gail, uh, would just be on the set, just kind of <laughs> just like up in everyone's business. And at one point, Lorene was just like, I'm going to make another movie. And it's going to be about you. And it's going to be called The Meddler. <laughs> and that happened. They, they made that movie. So <clears throat> I think that you know, looking at the trailer, looking at the marketing, of course, the trailer and the marketing are going to try to make it look as, as, as soft and palatable and broadly appealing as possible. But this is not this is not a cheesy movie by, mm. by any means. Like this is a very finely observed, very sort of like warmly humane, intelligent movie. So this is the Mother's Day movie to see, not Mother's Day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do not go see Mother's Day. I know we all want to see Julie Roberts in that wig, guys. But like, <laughs> for God's sake, just look at the pictures and enjoy that. <laughs> Seeing her act in it, it's not going to make it any better. Uh, no, this is this is one of the best mother-daughter movies I've ever seen. Like genuinely, sincerely, so it's, is it better than Wings? Uh, Wings? Wings? Isn't that the movie? Terms of what? Yeah, you're Terms right. Of Terms of endearment. <laughs> where you get Wings, Deborah Winger? Is that where yes. you got Wings? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I call her. You know that movie with the Wings. That's my girl with Wings. <laughs> FKA Wings. 
Wind, wind beneath my wings? From a distance? What no, is that's, that? That's from Beaches. Oh. Yeah, I was thinking about Terms of Endearment. Close enough. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, like Terms of Endearment is a classic in its own right, of course. But I feel like this is a more modern movie, you know, yeah. like that was a different generation. And I feel like I feel like modern audiences are really going to vibe with this. I feel like, you know, Loreen <clears throat> has really spared no detail in just excavating this very personal stuff. And uh, which we talk a little bit about in this interview. And uh, so, you know, and they, they kind of talk about this movie as being it's about what your mother is doing when you're not calling her. Oh, oh, geez. I know. Yeah. So and they've been marketing this movie with T-shirts that say, call your mother. Uh, <laughs> it's been the whole thing is just call your mother. Um, but this is not this is not um, a kind of broad uh, comedy of like, oh, my mom's a pain in the ass. The mom's like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, it, it's it's so much more nuanced than that. And uh, and it's acted so beautifully. This is the biggest lead role that Susan Sarandon has played in a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's part of why that she's out doing uh, just a full press tour for it. Um, and, of course, that has coincided with her being in the news for other things. Yes. And being a bit yes. of a lightning rod. Um, and we talk about that a little bit in this interview as well. Um, but this movie could not have less to do with the things that mm-hmm. she has been in the press talking about. Um, it is... Uh, so she, she, it's, she... It's such a warm, wonderful performance uh, I feel like, you know, she more often than not kind of gets cast as as sort of like a, you know, a, a supporting wife or supporting grandmother somewhere in the background of someone else's life. Right. And here it switches that, you know, it turns the tables. And initially we're thinking like, OK, so this is going to be about Rose Byrne's character, Lori, and and uh, and her experiences having her mother suddenly show up in her life. But then Lori goes to New York to work on a TV project, and then it's just about her mother, Marnie, mm-hmm. just living in L.A. and just hanging out at the Grove all day and hanging out at the Apple store and uh, and offering to like pay for Lori's friends' weddings and uh, just doing whatever, just like looking for her new place in life right. now that she's been widowed. And uh, so it's, and it's really touching without being in any way corny or saturine. Uh, it's, uh, it's, so that's a really cool thing. Rose Byrne is fantastic in it. Uh, as always, J.K. Simmons plays sort of an unlikely love interest of sorts for Marnie. And he, of course, is, is fantastic. There's an incredible supporting cast. We have Jason Ritter. We have Casey Wilson. We have Lucy mm. Punch. We have Cecily Strong. Um, Michael McKeon. Harry Hamlin. Wow, uh, she- goes on. Sherry Appleby. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, Lorraine got a, an incredible cast together for this one. And uh, and it's, I, it's, I just can't wait to see it again. And I was so excited to get to sit down and talk with Loreen and Susan Sarandon about this. I mean, Susan Sarandon, guys. Like, holy shit. It was so it was so weird sitting down with them. Because on the one hand, like, I felt, you know, comfortable talking to Loreen. But, like, then right between me and Loreen was Susan Sarandon. Yeah. And so I was just trying to, like, figure out what my balance was yeah. in, in, this, in this context. Uh, so it was, it was a trip. And, uh, and I'm really excited to uh, share this interview with you guys. Great. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Well, we're talking about Toronto. And I wanted to ask, like, take me back to that premiere. Uh, it's your second directorial feature. And it was probably one of the biggest roles in terms of carrying the entire film in your shoulders. Uh, what was going through your heads uh, that, that, that afternoon? 
I mean, I was, uh, yeah, that was surreal because, you know, we we really just finished the film. I mean, and I had another film there. What was the you other had film? another about film Ray. about, about Ray. Ray. So, so I hadn't even until we landed in the film. I hadn't even been able to focus on it right. and it was really I had seen kind of an assemblage but I had never seen it with a mm-hmm. <coughs> civilians or anything and, the audience yeah. was so warm and so lovely and really got it and laughed like crazy I mean it was surreal almost to think of this you know personal story of my mother as this laugh riot <laughs> but but they really enjoyed themselves and and seemed to get it and um way ahead like there were even yeah. times where they saw the problem coming they yeah. saw the collision about to happen they were a smart audience yeah. and they were so appreciative i was relieved jk hadn't seen anything Any and he was oh, yeah. just shocked mm-hmm. and had a real was really happy yeah jason so, too um, that mm-hmm. was fun yeah and my mother was there right. and I called her out in the audience when we were doing our Q&A, and mm-hmm. she stood up, and the place just went crazy. And it, that was just, for me, a real She trip. invited everyone home. <laughs> she had the after party. <laughs> well, she was she was reigning over that after party. Yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> she was in her element. I know. Uh, there were these uh, ladies sat behind me for the screening, for the premiere, uh, and when you were introduced to the stage, they all started to go, <gasps> look at her, she's so young. Oh, God. Like, oh, look at this beautiful young woman. And she's a director. Uh, back row, right? And, like, I was wondering, it made me think, like, you know, do you get that kind of thing a lot? That you're almost like you're being underestimated? Or, you know, like this oh my kind God. of... Well, I mean, I was born in Jersey, so I feel like a piece of garbage wherever <laughs> I go. <laughs> it's just what comes... It, we have a great deal of pride that counters our, you know, feeling like garbage. And so, um, <laughs> no, I I think it's so funny. Sometimes I think of, like, you know, of course, are you underestimated as a female director? Are you underestimated as someone under a certain age in a certain well, it's a role? It's to have yeah. a female director and to have a yeah. young female director. I've had Teamsters taking photos of me because, like, I wore a dress that day. Oh, really? And that's been a bummer. And oh. yet... And yet I sort of was just like, well, just ask for it. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. You but, be surreptitious. Um, don't be weird about it. But um, <laughs> no, it, um, honestly, sometimes I think just being short has held me back, that I'm 5'3", and so and you're in a power position, and it's just is what it is. But um, no, that, I mean, I, I, I'll bet it's helped as much as, as it's hurt any, any number of things. I'm sure it have helped as much as, they, as it's hurt. So yeah. it's it's always a double-edged sword, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I remember one of the questions from the audience uh, was trying to bring up the element of, like, you know, Susan, is it different working for a female director and a female writer? And you brought up Old Dorham as a great example of, you know, like, well, I've played roles that are very complex in, in real life that are written by men that are women as well, sort of fighting the idea of, like, it's not... I think now women have earned the right to be assholes as much as men so you find both mm-hmm. you know I mean the last three films that I did when I did this had, were all women directors mm-hmm. the Marilyn thing was a woman about Ray is a woman and yeah. so I mean I certainly percentage wise there aren't as many but I've worked for a very insensitive woman who was doing a script with a lot of girls in it and she treated them horribly mm-hmm. and then I've worked with some guys who uh, you know we're, we were finishing each other's sentences and they were very very intuitive and so I, you know, it's it's like asking are American directors different than European? I mean, I, I, I don't know. 
I, I, I don't know. I think that the only gender bias thing that I've noticed in the business is that I think female producers, as a rule, are uh, care less about power and mm. uh, and um, more about solving problems. They, okay. you know, because that's as women we facilitate constantly. We are mm. raised to do that. So sometimes I think women producers are better at, at making people comfortable and anticipating things and being able to solve problems as opposed to spending time saying it wasn't their fault. Mm. I do notice that, mm. but um, I think that, you know, it's it's up for grabs. Certainly, I think the kind of stories that you identify with might be gender-related, which mm -hmm. is fair. Yeah. You know, but then look at all those fabulous plays and movies that were done by gay guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so who knows? Who knows? Do you find that to be true about female producers? Um, maybe just when people talk about, I mean, Joy is mm. Joy Gorman is like a friend and a sister at this point. Mm -hmm. So I mean, she did anything to make my vision happen. She was really just in the trenches and with me for a long time, um, and cares a lot. And she really cares about the messages that her films mm -hmm. will send. So. I guess there is a lack of desperation at all costs to just be this hot shot something, you know, rather than really examine what it is you're working on and say, well, what am I putting out into the world? I think that might have something to do with lower numbers of female directors sometimes. I mean, obviously that's not the rule or that the, the case, but I do think that when I've looked at projects that have come my way as potential Jobs. I've thought like I don't want to spend a year of my life on that. I don't. I don't want to spend a year and a half of my life on that. And of course, there are probably a sea of people who are willing to do that. And um, maybe a lot of them are men. And you know. And and maybe that's the case. Maybe that's some some kind of line to draw. But I've heard people talk about the female gaze and <laughs> and things like that. And you know, I really just think of it as like. I mean, I'm a human probably first, <laughs> and then I'm a woman, and so like my interactions with people are just as a human woman. That's about where it, you know what I'm saying? Like that's right. sort of where it begins and ends. Like, is it, you know, is it easier to talk to Susan because we're both women about mm. something? Pro probably, but that doesn't that doesn't always mean anything. That's not always the case, and so, you know, you you kind of just approach it as a person as the person you are you know and I right. I you know don't think of myself I, I'm not constantly identifying as a woman as I walk throughout the world you know what I mean right. there are the moments where you realize oh I'm maybe the moments where you feel like I'm treat, being treated differently or something and right. th those are when, the moments where you're like oh I'm being reminded exactly when you're being reminded, <laughs> being reminded. yes <laughs> but you know otherwise not so much yeah uh I know we only have a limited time with you before you have to run out of here, so I felt like I would be remiss just to my listeners if I did not ask for the entire Beyonce story. Oh, yeah. I it's mean, real. it's an important thing to talk about. Yeah. My mother listened to I Was Here by Beyonce mm -hmm. on a loop in the car right. forever, and we we were trying to figure out, I mean, we still have yet to figure this out, but we were trying to figure out what would be on my father's headstone. Mm -hmm. And my mom said, I've been listening to the best Beyonce song. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, if my father knew. Like, he was just, a, like, he, the only album in his car was Sinatra. Mm -hmm. And that was the only music. He thought it was a genre. And, and so to 
is suggest Beyonce for his headstone was hysterical. I did laugh so hard when my mother said it, and I said, I promise you, we'll save it for yours. (laughs) So she sort of realizes that, you know, that it's, I guess she was viewing it as my father's song, that it, that she thought his life, Mm because he was an immigrant who came from Italy, and, uh, you know, really, like, was a self-made man, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of achieved most of his success between 60 and 70, Mm. which I always think is just really inspiring. And um, that because of that, she just thought of him as this person who... Well, also he's gone and she's saying... You were here. You were. We'll remember you right. that you were here. Right, and you did no more than you, you did. Right, yeah. What you've done, you mm-hmm. are remembered. Exactly, and yeah. you did more than you right. ever thought you could have done. Yeah. And so I don't think for herself because she didn't. She doesn't think of herself as someone who's done so much yeah. <laughs> that she, you know, um, didn't view it for herself. And I thought, this is you, actually. Mm-hmm. You are this song that you yeah. have a. Like, by being a generous person all these years, by giving so much of yourself to your family, but also really anyone you come in contact with, like, mm-hmm. you know, that that I want her to feel like she's had a purpose, and 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 I would love for other people to feel the same I, way. I about felt themselves. that it was kind of like a theme uh, at that particular point, not what she had done so far, but that she was kind of she was kind of rooting for herself to remember. Right. That you're only here for so long. Right. Obviously, she knows that because she's just lost someone. But you're only here for so long, so mm-hmm. live your life so that people will remember you're here because this is your shot. So it was kind of also a launch pad for her. Right. Even though she didn't launch very <laughs> But also without realizing the irony of listening to a song on a loop that also doesn't tend to get you. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe for her that's what she needed, but... I always thought of it as like a, at times when I'm my most stressed out, I, I sometimes will listen to a song on a loop because you don't mm-hmm. want to, you just like, sure. let me just live in this tone for just a moment. And mm-hmm. like, I don't even want to take the roller coaster of like the radio, right. you know? It's too much. And it's so, too no. And so, I mean, my mother has. And Beyonce is so strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you want to someone that to lift you, you up. Strong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She was empowered. And it is, it, I mean, it's a great song. And, but it, it was funny. I didn't suspect that the, movie would end up having so many of those songs in it because I thought, well, we could probably only afford to play Beyonce. (laughs) So, uh, but she and Diane Warren, who wrote the song, uh, were very, very generous with us. Very, very generous. Or we never would have been able to use it. I mean, like, you can say the words, Beyonce got my script, right? Yeah. Like I wrote a letter. I said, Dear Mrs. Carter, I... (sighs) I know. <laughs> it was very exciting to type. That's your I was here. I can only imagine that she didn't receive it, but if she did, I, I'll delight in that. Well, I hope she comes. I really hope she comes. We can babysit Blue. Exactly. Did you know the song before? Uh, no, I have to say I did not. Yeah. Um, I certainly knew Beyonce and I right. knew some of her songs, but I was not familiar with that one. Uh, although my daughter goes around singing a lot of Beyonce. Mm. But I don't know about that one. But you but had to kind of learn to sing along with I it. I did. Yeah, that's the kind yeah. of role, you know, rehearsal that yeah. we... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's intense stuff. It intense. <laughs> Rigorous. Rigorous. <laughs> Uh, and drive, yeah, and, and drive. it is sing actually, and drive. That's hard. She did. I had a to do lot. a lot of talking, singing, driving. Almost all of the driving was free driving, and that oh, is, yeah, 
That was, you said not some Selma and Louise if you'd driven that much. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about when people write on-screen surrogates for themselves. I feel like usually uh, there's an element of uh, them being persecuted or at least like a, a, an abiding kind of like compassion or, or self-pity. And I feel like when I was watching the movie, knowing that, you know, that Lori was, was, you know, sort of standing in for your experiences, I felt like... I thought you were being kind of hard on yourself. Like, was so there... did my mom, which did is she? very sweet that she felt like I was being hard on myself. Um, yes and no. I mean, I certainly didn't want to play the victim. I didn't want any part of that to be what it was about. I, I, I really like the idea that it's a kind of thing that can reach ki- other grown kids like myself who've lost parents and, and know what the experience is like. But yeah, I mean, it was hard to... It was hard to be my true self at that time. You know, you're grieving, you're angry, you're sad as hell. And and then I'm across from a person who's smiling and very different than I am, and we're both grieving so differently. And so, you know, I was probably my worst self between you know, year one and two of, of the anniversary's death. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm my worst self around my mother. And if I... I had to be really honest about what is it that she saw during that time or mm. at least uh, repeatedly. You know, I'm sure I was happy on some days, but but for the most part, what was it that she was seeing? And and if you only saw what she was seeing, what mm. would that look like? Because, you know, that's sort of the what I definitely didn't want to do was show Lori's full experience also. Right because I didn't want to take away from what Marnie's experience was. And I wanted you to actually sit with her in her loneliness and and kind of be able to reveal at some point where all the pain is coming from for Lori, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, I, I don't know. It, like, Susan probably made us put back in something in the script that helped, uh, in the film, it was something that we shot that... Um, that was almost on the cutting room floor and came back, which was Lori, uh, which Marnie telling Zipper that uh, Lori threw them a forty-year anniversary party, mm-hmm. and it, it's it. Those are the kind of details that you know when you you kind of forget. Like you see someone so is so upset, you kind of forget that they were really there for their parents, or they you know oh they they really well, love their also father so, too. Such a know? creative way to think to deal with a situation that he's not going to be around for their anniversary so ah so here why don't we do the when you met and mm-hmm. and then everybody gets dressed up and they serve that kind of food and it just you got this really moving uh funny picture of a very creative way of Lori stepping in to save the day and it was a long talking scene at that table but the you know I just felt that the amount of what we lost, it wasn't that long to mm-hmm. put it back in and that it was necessary not so much for me but for them and their their relationship because it was, uh, it, you know, I mean, it just was a very funny, unique little thing and all the friends to do and everything else. So moving to hear that story, you know, and it actually happened. Yeah, it did actually happen. And it is the kind of thing where you realize, like, everybody lost this person. Mm-hmm. So that that is what the movie's hoping to do is certainly unify this idea that if if you know we're all kind of in this together (laughs) we're all like survivors of someone someone has left us behind and and you know it didn't help me at the time none of these things could I have thought of in in the moment and, and how my mother and I were both dealing with it but certainly after the fact you just realize like wow I you know we 
you had to do what you were doing and I had mm-hmm. to do what I was doing. And, at and there's least, no right way or no, wrong there's way. No. That's the other thing. I remember after 9-11, I was spending a lot of time with uh, the wives of firefighters that had been lost. And um, they were reading, a lot were reading Lovely Bones, which is all mm-hmm. about how that energy is still around, people are still around. But I was hearing a lot of women that were getting judged because they weren't grieving the way other people were grieving. And mm-hmm. you know that was the first time I really thought, there is no right or wrong way. You just have to get through it. Right. And at your own pace, however you do it, you know, and there's there's no formula that works. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, everybody, and that's kind of what yeah. you see here is that, uh, uh, is that it takes time. Yeah. It takes time. It takes a village, right? It, it takes <laughs> time in a village. Okay, so here we take a quick break. Excellent work so far. Thank you. Can't wait to hear the rest. Yeah. So at this moment, uh, Lorene had to get up and go. Uh, She had another engagement, and she just had to fly right back down to L.A. from whence she came. So this interview is about about what happens when the Susan Sarandon just left with Jason Leroy. Yes, yes. The remainder of this is now me in a position where I am just sitting across from Susan Sarandon, trying to keep my cool, trying to be okay with that. And, uh, and, you know, and I feel like, guys, when I listen to this interview today to, like, get ready to set up this intro, it was like I wasn't even there <laughs> listening to it because I was like, is that what I said? Like, I feel like I, I listen to it and I'm like, I don't sound crazy. I sound like I'm there and I'm, like, actively engaged. But, like, I don't remember a word you I said. You were so busy working that you weren't I, retaining anything? I don't remember a word they said. I remember a word I said. Like it was, it's been a journey of discovery just listening to this again, being like, oh, is that what we talked about? <laughs> so, like, I go on this kind of autopilot when I'm really nervous around like someone like that. And that's just what happened here. Fortunately, nothing too uh, calamitous happened. But in this next segment, uh, so what had happened was I was informed after Azlarine was leaving that we had time to just dive into like one more question, one more issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I honestly wasn't trying to get her to talk about her, uh, recent activism so much. Um, but that is where our conversation goes. Ooh, so exciting. I've been spending a lot of time looking at your social media presence. And one thing that I feel like you have really mastered is the art of setting like a good shady reaction gif. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, uh, I think that. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think you're you're on top of your game with that. I think uh, I'm learning. Yeah, <laughs> self defense. Yes, I'm learning. I'm learning when to stop. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, how do you decide when to engage? You know, is it just kind of a thing, case by case? Basis? Well, I mean, you can if you're if you're talking about the recent misappropriation of a headline over mm-hmm. an article that nobody read the article and right. then just went off on the headline that had been obviously. Right been made as sensational as possible to get clicks right. to monetize their sites. Yeah. Uh, and it was actual news publications. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just so surprised that so many people just got all worked up without, clearly without reading what I had actually said. Mm-hmm. And then when, so in the beginning, I just said, you know, everyone was so confused and all upset and mm-hmm. got very personal. And I was just, just look at it or read it, and you'll see I didn't say that. Yeah. But some people con- needed to continue. Either were embarrassed that they hadn't right. looked at it or didn't care. Mm-hmm. And then after a few days, I mean, and then it becomes clear 
that there's nothing to be accomplished, you know, and I think I said that's when, that's when I said, why don't you just get the home room teacher and let's just stop this, you know, because it felt like third grade or something. Um, so I don't think you engage with everyone because mm -hmm. some people are really, you could tell by whatever they say that they don't have any grasp of what they're talking about, especially if it's political, mm -hmm. that they're just responding in an in a, I, I, emotional way and clearly they don't have jobs or something. I mean, a mm -hmm. lot of people, how they have the time to just engage with each other too. I mean, I was very happy with the Piers uh, Morgan mm -hmm. thing, for instance, so many, I wasn't gonna respond to that, you know, and then everybody else coming forward in kind of a playful way, I really enjoyed that. And then when he continued again, then that's when I, you know, dedicated the picture from the Rocky Horror Show. Right. But I, I, I really, have not engaged personally. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's, I don't know, that doesn't seem like me to be name calling or anything like that. So sometimes I answer when there's a lot of misinformation. Yeah. Um, but I called a few of those papers and some of them retracted it uh, oh, wow. and other ones didn't. And I think some people posted the uh, emails of the editors and that uh -huh. helped and people called and said and some, yeah. somebody said to me well is that libel can you sue them because hmm. you didn't say it right <laughs> you know <laughs> so you know unfortunately it's what it says about the way our political hysteria is mm -hmm. right now is very disheartening because it's it, I was shocked that people that I thought of as intelligent people just jumped mm -hmm. right on board with that clearly without reading it's very yeah disheartening I would, yeah i just appreciate seeing you on your facebook just defending yourself against people who would say that celebrities shouldn't comment which is i can't even believe that's even a thing people say well especially since we've had a couple presidents we've had a president and a um uh governor who've both been actors i mean nobody yeah. seemed to mind that right exactly um no i know I, 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 well but you know what i feel like if you really feel you have the right mm -hmm. to know who I'm sleeping with, then you maybe are encouraging me to also <laughs> have an opinion. Right. <laughs> but um, mostly I don't tell people what to think. I see myself as just very lucky to be able to shine a little light mm -hmm. on information that people aren't getting or just most of the time to speak for, to give the stories of people that, that don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. That's really, I would never tell somebody what they have to think. It's just sometimes that they're not getting information. Right. Well, I think thank we're out of time. Yes, thank wow, you. Wow, you got Susan Sarandon to clap back. <laughs> clap back. Very nice. Hashtag clap back. Uh, so, yeah, the whole thing was, was super cool. And uh, so many thanks to Susan Sarandon and to my dear Lorene Scafaria for sitting down with me and talking about this amazing movie. I couldn't be more proud to uh, to help encourage everyone to see it and to spread the word. So please, by all means, go see The Meddler at the theater, uh, and you, you won't be sorry that you did. So it's out today, April 22nd, in New York and L.A., and then it'll be out here in San Francisco on the 29th, yeah, other Yeah, other major cities on the 29th, San Francisco among them, and then the following Friday, uh, Mother's Day weekend, Mm -hmm. uh, is when it goes into wide release. Oh, okay. That's like the first weekend in May, right? Yeah, the first. Oh, that's what Mother's Day is. I'm pretty sure. I yeah. Have to call my mother. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hashtag call your mother. Um, it's rated PG-13, so you can take mom. Take mom. Take w kids. Won't be embarrassed. 
Um, fantastic. Well, um, this was a very interesting episode. Really great interview, Jason. I loved Thank it. Thank you. Very relevant and fun. It sounded um, like you said very irrelevant and fun. <laughs> That's <laughs> my it. brand. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you, the listener, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, be sure to subscribe, and you can follow Jason at the Jason Leroy. I am at Fight Balance on Twitter. And thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.